Hello there, good morning once again. Welcome to another beautiful live broadcast. My name is Isa Phillips at Kintola. I want to especially welcome you once again this morning. This is another time where we're going to look into God's word and allow him to speak to our hearts. He's been speaking to us from various levels and emphases. We've been dealing with looking into maturity, developing the spirit of love, allowing love once again to teach us. As we enter into this new season, we want to enter with a fresh understanding of the intentions of the Father for our lives. We want to make sure that we are aligning to that which the Spirit of God has ordained and desired for us. And therefore, we believe God this morning that once again, that we will learn something fresh, something new, as it continues to teach us and uh, allow us to grow in his will and in his purpose. Thank you so much, everyone, joining us this morning. Thank you, Brother Derek. Uh, I also see my dear brother. God bless you. Uh, amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. Uh, uh, brother Eddie, thank you. All right, anyone out there joining us this morning, you're welcome. Please join us. We want to believe God once again this morning to go back and look into the principles that we've been dealing with, amen, in engaging the heart of God again. Hallelujah. Father, we want to bless your name once again. Thank you for your goodness and love and mercy. Thank you for granting us this opportunity to come before you. <clears throat> thank you for your mind and your will, O oh God, that is on that has been revealed to us. You're unveiling yourself to us in this brand new day. You're granting us once again your heart desire, yes, that we come to the place of your good pleasure, that we understand, yes, how to transverse, how to walk, how to lead life in this season in time. Thank you, Lord, that your will has already gone forth. Your prophetic counsel has already gone forth. We are locating what you desire for this new day and we are aligning ourselves to that design so we thank you once again we pray may your kingdom come may your will be done as it is already established in heaven let it be established in our life this morning we have come lord as we pray as we seek your heart as we fellowship with one another in the spirit we pray father that we will be deepened in the revelation of your son oh god that christ will be magnifying us that christ will be revealed to us in a different dimension in a higher reality we will come, O oh God, to a better position of truth, O oh God, that we will stand, O oh God. Yes, we pray this morning that every spiritual faculty in us will be awakened. Love will be awakened. Faith will be awakened in us, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, that once again, our eyes of understanding will be illuminated. Understanding, O oh God, yes, will be our portion. Wisdom will guide us. We will be firmly established in the spirit of counsel. We thank you. Grant, grant us grace this morning once again to have access into the treasures of your kingdom, into to the treasures of your word father we pray in the name of jesus that nothing would distract us we bind our mind soul and body to your will we proclaim this morning oh god let every struggle let every idea let every yes pre preemptive notion let every pre presumptive notion right now be cast down we say in the name of jesus that we know nothing except christ and him crucified we pray this morning that you alone yes will be magnified in us yes father take your place have your way holy spirit we invite you do that which no one can do bring us into the realm where we can see all things clearly thank you father oh hallelujah in jesus name <clears throat> amen welcome everybody thank you Sister Dione, also for joining us this morning all right uh we're going to go back to uh this series of teachings we've been doing on uh, um maturing in the things of the spirit and returning back all right to the position of love allowing love once again 
to teach us now. All of this uh, uh, teachings that we are doing are deliberate and of course we believe that these are some of the things the spirit of God is demanding and requiring of us as the church as the body of Christ in order to enter into that you know confluence where the things of the spirit can begin to flow amen, out of our life unsolicited without hindrance I believe once again that the spirit of God wants us to have amen, what I call you know priority spiritual priority the foundation of the things of the spirit, as we as we read some time ago, the scripture says that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, one of the things that we are believing God for, and we know that we will be engaging in this season in times that we're going to be doing a lot of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going, to be, we're going to be engaging in so many things, but we don't want to engage, amen, with an assumptive mind. We don't want to engage things. We don't want to do things, amen, without having that spiritual approval, if you will, without having that understanding, without the foundation being solidified. What can the righteous do, all right, if the foundation be destroyed? Therefore, we are looking at some found, you know, fundamental principles and values that I personally believe has been eroded or almost eroded in the church. All right? And if there is anything I believe that today is lacking in the church, in the body of Christ, all right, is the revelation of the love of God. And that's not something that deals with how God loves us. We all know that God loves us, but we are dealing with amen, how he reciprocates to that love. That's, this is what I'm looking at because love is a two-way thing, all right? And we understand by now that love is not just some emotion that we express to one another. It's not some chemical, all right, as, you know, as, you know, you know some people will want us to believe, amen? Love is a person, all right? The, 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 and this love, amen, is what, is what holds everything. Is the love of God that creates the world that we see today. Is the love of God that upholds all, all things, amen, that is still keeping all things together. It is by his love, amen, that we have been awakened today. It's through his love, amen, that we can stand. It's through his love that we are able to advance, amen, even through trials and, 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 and you know, and, and persecution, whatever out there that, you know, we are facing, that we are going through, all right? I mean, I, I just heard this morning one of my, you know, uh, one of my daughters in the Lord, you know, just lost the, the you know, the mother. Last month she lost the mom, you know, and, 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 and the early hours again, excuse me, last month she lost the father and she's lost her mom. I mean, this is somebody that I've, I've known right from where she was just a teenager you know she was the one leading out you know our, our choir you know music ministry back then in nigeria i mean th this is a this is a trying time for you know for her and for our family and only the love of god only the revelation of the love of god can keep one in situations like this that you don't start losing your mind only the love of god that as one mourns you you mourn in that sense of joy that hey i know that you know that there's there's hope one day i'm going to see you know my my, my my parents again but the most important thing is that to know that they are believers they are christians because i know these people myself so I, all of this is basically to factor us into the revelation of the days that we live in. There's a scripture we were reading some time ago. The Bible says, because, because wickedness will abound, because, amen, you know, all kinds of, you know, trials and, 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 and persecutions and, and challenges and, you know, and needs and lack, amen, and famines, okay, will, will continue to, you know, uh, uh, you know, pound men on earth. The Bible says the love of many will wax cold. I was looking at that, you know, scripture in, in Matthew 24, 12. You see, we, we have to begin to understand that the days ahead will require that we have, amen, we have a well-seated footing understanding of what Christ is in us, amen. Christ is first love. 
That's not just something that we, we talk about, we, we teach. It must become a personal revelation to each of us. Because we are going to need it when we are going through the valley of Baca, when we're going through darkness, when we're going through, you know, situation that looks contrary, that challenges the, the position and the place of God in our life. We will need that understanding, all right, that in death or life, amen, in famine, amen, or in abundance, amen, in sickness or in health, that the love of God never failed. That must become a constant, ongoing, developmental revelation in our life. If that is not there, like I was sharing yesterday, many of the, <clears throat> many of the things that we're doing, amen, will just become another routine. Will become monotonous, you know. You just, you know, we just carry on like that, and we no longer feel the life and feel the impulse of God, and no longer feel that passion and yearning. And that's something I believe today needs to be returned. All right, we've dealt with faith returning. We we need to look into the concept of love because if the love is not there, the passion, the power, the authority, the, the grace to stand and to defend the things of the spirit. Amen. Via the understanding that you have in God will not be there. So we have to, we have to believe God, amen, to awaken us to his love again. We have to believe God to awaken us to his love, to the revelation of who Christ is because Christ, amen, is the expression of God's love. For God so loved the world. That, that, that dimension of the love of God for the world, amen, made him to give his only son as, as, you know, as a redemptive lamb. And we need that. We need that understanding. We need that to keep us going. We need that to keep Keep us, amen, you know, in, in, in constancy with his mind, with his desire. This is not some nice message we'll preach. No, I'm awakening. I'm believing God to awaken us. I mean, we had a three days of just God interrupting and bringing, you know, his, his heart and his mind to us and ministering to us. That's love for you. That is love for you. That is God in expression. That is God telling us that he has not forgotten. Amen. So we, we want to carry on building. All right. This is, these, are, these are times where we need to build, but we want to build accurately. We want to build precisely. We want to build with the right material. We want to build with the right spiritual values. We want to build with the right mentality. We want to build with truth. We want to build, amen, knowing that our life, amen, is not, is not, is not based or built around some fine ideology or some you know, idealistic belief system no that we call christianity we want to be sure we want to be certain they said we were with him on the mount we need an experience of god's love again so we we, we tracking in mary magdalene mary magdalene had become a, a pattern for us in the scripture mary magdalene has shown us what it means <clears throat> excuse me, what it means to respond to God in the spirit of love. I love this woman because she showed me something. I remember tracking this woman years ago, just looking at the life of this woman, showing her love and her passion, all right, you know, running to the tomb, knowing that, amen, if he said that he will resurrect, that he meant it. The Bible says, early in the morning, she ran. I'm reading from John chapter 20 again. The Bible says, early in the morning, she ran to the tomb. In fact, let me read the scripture of John chapter chapter you know, chapter 20 verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. I mean, this woman had 
an understanding. She knew, you know, that she needed to be there. I mean, and this is, you know, on the backdrop of Jesus having certain people like Peter and the other disciple that Jesus loved, which I believe was John, all right, who were, you know, also waiting, but they were, you know, somewhere waiting. But I mean, you you, you see the degree, you see the degree of love in this in this in this scripture, and, and I believe this is what the Lord is trying to show us. Yes, you know, I'm not saying that Peter don't love God. I'm not saying that John, all right, do not love God. In fact, the Bible call him, amen, the beloved, the one the Lord, the, the, the Lord loves. But here is, you know, Mary Magdalene showing us how to respond. You see, when we respond to God accurately, we will precisely respond to the things of God. That's what I'm talking about. It's not just about, yes, you know, expressing our love for the things of God. While we do not really, amen, love God, the God of the thing. That's the problem that I've seen in the church. Many of us are more in love with the ministry. We are more in love with the gift. We're more in love, all right, with, you know, the power of God, with the miracle. We're more in love with ministering to people. We're more in love with the prophetic. We're more in love with the apostolic. We're more in love with what God is doing in the earth. We're more in love with the move. <laughs> wow, amen, that the, the, the God who steers these things, amen, is on the second burner, is on the back burner. No, that's not the way, all right? The love of God should be the motivating factor of how we engage the things of God. The love of God must be the motivating, the motivating factor. The love of God must be one, amen, must be the, must be the thing motivating us, amen, to respond, to do things, amen. If the love of God is not what is awakening you to pray, then something else, amen, is, is fighting the place of God in your life. And we need to check those things, all right? We can be doing ministry. We can be running all kinds of things, amen? And still do not put God first. And still do not put God first. We can be talking about the things of God. You can be, you know, we can engage in what people define to be ministry. And still not be engaging with God. And this is my great concern in the church. And this, of course, speaks to why, all right, we, we see the kind of abuse. We see the kind of misuse, amen, of the things of God. This is the reason why, all right, people that, you know, are committed into our hands, we, we abuse them. We take advantage of them, all right? Grace and giftings that are given to us to build the kingdom. We use it to build an empire for ourselves. Why? Because the love of God, you see, when the love of God is in our life, the love of God will constrain us. The love of God will guide us. The love of God will direct us. The love of God will tell us, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to say that, all right? That the love of God will, will, will you know, will, you know, will, 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 of course, the love of God will release compassion, all right, you know, you know, to, 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 to things and to people. The love of God will tell you, you, you can't talk like that. You can't say that thing. The love of God will say, you can't take that money from that person. The love of God will, will warn you, will correct you, you know, because the love of God is, 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 the, is, the, is, the, is the focus that defines how we live for God. If we, if, I mean, if you want to live in holiness, talk about living in holiness, you need to have love. If you're talking about living in holiness, if you ever think that you can live, amen, without sin, all right, you know, outside the love of God, you make a mistake. Because for me personally, it is the love of God, all right, that is constraining me, that is keeping me, all right, from doing things, from saying things, all right, from taking advantage. Is because, you see, once I realize that my love for God is, is you know, is dropping, I go back quickly. I go, I go back to refill. I go back to refill. There is nothing you can do outside the power of the presence of God's love in your life because the love is what guides us. You see, it was the love that took 
Jesus to the cross. It was not ministry. All right. When you when you walk in ministry, that is defined to be. Excuse me. When you walk in love, the outcome of your walk with love, Amen, is the manifestation of what you define to be ministry. It's not the other way around, Amen. Ministry does not produce love. Love produces ministry. And we have to understand that. And of course, when we talk about ministry, remember we're talking about serving God. When you serve God, you serve men. It's just a matter of time. When you serve God in truth and in spirit, when you worship God in spirit and in truth, amen, that worship will be translated, amen, to the transformation of people's life, amen, to the transformation. I mean, it is the love of God motivating people to go into mission, deep, deep rural mission. Not that kind of, you know, mission to America. <laughs> no, mission to rural place that you know that you you know your life and your family will be vulnerable there yes but it is the love of god 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 that compels us to to do things amen outside our own strength it is god in our life defined to be love amen that is propelling us amen to move and make sure that things happen amen the way he wants it it is the love of god that makes us it um, that makes sure that we preach amen and and give the people the word amen undivided word undivided truth it is the love of god the love of God will keep you. The love of God will protect you. The love of God will, 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 will you know, will guide your step. You will, the love of God will, will not push you to do things that will hurt others. You see, you see, when God, when God in his love is revealed to us, your life just changes. But you see, this love is an infusion that must take place in our spirit man. It's an encounter, it's an experience that must happen to us. If you today you begin to you know talk to many Christians, particularly maybe believers, you know people that have given their life in the past twenty years, ten years, if you begin to ask them about their love experience, you'll be shocked, you'll be surprised. You compare that to people who you know gave their life to Jesus you know hundred years ago and, and, and compare their love when you compare the the, the 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 passion and the material that you know how people write you know you know in, in the early centuries to how you know we do things today you you will see a big difference people are still today we're still reading you know some materials written you know you know some 200 years ago you know 300 years ago you know those are the material that many of us are going back to, to capture the heart of God and the mind of God. When you look at what people are talking about today, I'm not saying that everyone is shallow, but 95% of what we're reading today are too shallow. You know why? Because people never really encounter God. To encounter God is to encounter his love. When you want to make reference to certain men, you know, E.W. Kenyon, you know, uh, E.M. Bound, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Murray, you know, you, th those are people that you want to begin to, I mean, I hardly, I hardly read any, you know, modern Christian material. I hardly, I hardly, because, because the, the, we, we speak from a shallow reality. I know there are people tracking God in our day, and I'm not the only one. There are several, yes, but I'm just saying on the general term. The reason why it seems as if other other religion, amen, are overdoing, are of, you know, overpowering Christianity. The reason why it seems today in America, all right, that you know, the, the the voice of dissent, the voice of darkness, the voice of Jezebel is rising above the voice of the church, all right, is because people no longer passionate for the things of the spirit. When we're supposed to speak for God, no, we go hiding. But then you find, you know, you know, people who are into all kinds of things. It's easy for them to rise up and speak. This is what we want. And they get it. There are very few people today who are passionate. Because when you're passionate for God, you're not afraid of death. You can't stand and 
declare truth, all right? If you are if you are not sure, if you are, if you don't have that encounter, if you don't have that first-hand experience of what is called the love of God, if something has not happened in you, and if that thing is not happening on a regular basis, listen, it's so easy to walk away. It's so easy to compromise. It's so easy to to make excuses. Why, all right? You must receive the mark of the beast. It's so easy. The mark of the beast is not going to come to you, all right, through some, you know, persecution. It's going to come in a way where it's going to look nice. It's going to, you know, in in the idea, the ideology. You know, we were reading a scripture a few days ago where Jesus, you know, said, let the dead bury their dead. I mean, you think about that scripture and try to use your, you know, 21st century ideology to interpret that scripture. You're going to say Jesus is insensitive. That's what people are going to call him. But if, if you go back and read the, the, the text and the context and you understand, amen, the historic, you know, background and all of the things that you've got to consider, all right, before you come to conclusion regarding that scripture, then you realize that Jesus was dealing with something in the life of that young man. But today, if you read that scripture on the face value, you're going to say, no, this Jesus Christ thing, no, 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 no. I mean, this guy is, is, is not serious. How would he say, you know, let the dead bury their dead? Ah, we're not supposed to bury our dead. <laughs> but you see, because we cannot see, we are not seeing, and we don't even want to see. You see, when you love somebody, you take time to want to understand what that person is saying. You don't jump into conclusion. That's what we've done, amen, with the word of Christ. We jump into conclusion, and then we jump into our own idea. This is, this is how I'm going to respond to this thing. How many times do we get into issues with people, all right, just because we have made up our mind of what we want to see, how we want to see it, and that's it. It's called prejudice. Many people today, many Christians, all right, are prejudicial to the word of God. Many people, I'm telling you, many people, when, when they read the scripture, they think the scripture is just all about them. It's just for their own good pleasure. The scripture is written just for their own benefit. No, it has never been because of you. This thing is a love story about two people who are in love with themselves. And if you are not in love with him, guess what? You will, you will find it difficult. It will be hard pressed for you to understand the things of the spirit. The Bible says the things of the spirit are, you know, are foolish to the kind of mind. A kind of mind is sensual. A kind of mind think democratic. A kind of man will never think kingdom. A kind of man cannot understand the concept of warfare, the concept of standing on the position of truth and, and engaging things, amen, from a position of reality. No, a kind of man will tell you, no, 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 no. That, that doesn't sound right. Because that's what CNN said. Because that's what BBC said. BBC said. Because that's what, you know, God knows what somebody said somewhere. No, you, you, if, if we are judging the things of God, we have to have, amen, the mind of the spirit to judge the word of the spirit. And it takes love. You see, it takes love to want to read the word of God. It takes love to want to study God's word. It takes love. You see, if you're just studying to want to get something, you want to go, you know, bamboo somebody and preach somebody and share some, you know, somewhere, you know, and prove a point that, yes, you have arrived. You miss it. You're missing the point. Let the love of God first fill your heart. When the love of God fill your heart, they will break the seal of the word. <laughs> I said, when the love of God, amen, you know, open your heart. When, when the love of God open your mind, they will introduce you to the word himself. Jesus said to the Pharisee, he said, you search the word and you think, amen, you're going to find truth. He said, don't you understand? Don't you understand that all this thing speaks about me? It's about me? It's about a person? 
That's what I'm talking about. We've, we've left the person, all right, and we're running after, all right, what, what we can benefit from the person, and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So, church, if we are ever going to advance into this new reality, as the Spirit of God continues to engage us about coming out of the ark, if we're going to step into a day and represent the intentions of God in our time, then we have to return back to him. You've got to go back to where you left him and fetch him. You've got to go back, amen. If, 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 if it requires another three days' journey to go back to Jerusalem and fetch him, you've got to do that because you will not be able to advance. You will not be able to go further. We will not be able to, amen, prefer answer and solution to the challenges, to the complex challenges, amen, that, that, that will be turning up in our day without the revelation of the love of God, amen, permeating our being. And I understand that people have abused and have misused and have misinterpreted this idea, concept of love. And that's why I need you to get this. Because we can even use the love of God as a stone to stone each other. But guess what? Truly, when you love, when God's love is in your life, you see, it's easy to love people. Not because they're good, not because they're nice, but because that is what love does. You see, we, we respond to people based on their measure. But that's not love. And I'm saying love is not something you give. It's what you become. <laughs> love is not something you learn. It's what is imparted into your life. It's an entrance into your spirit. It must happen to you. It's like the light of God hitting you on the road to Damascus. Love is an experience. Something must happen to you. It, it, you know, it, it, it's not something you sit in the classroom and learn and say, okay, I'm learning about love. I want... No, no, no. It's never going to happen. You see, love is like an accident that takes place in your life. When you, when, when, when you, when you're, when you get imparted by love, you can never be the same again. It's not something you're trying to become. I'm trying to love. You don't try to love. You don't try to love. I'm just, oh God, help me to love. No, 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 that's not the right prayer. If you're still God, help me to love, then you don't love. Because love is, is, is an impartation of the life of God. His spirit is, is, is that dimension of the expression of the life of God. When that thing infuses your spirit, man, ah, you become another man. Is the other definition of prophecy. When the spirit of God comes upon you, you cannot but to prophesy. When the Spirit of God, amen, is infused in your spirit, man, and you understand what that means, you cannot but to express His nature. His nature is love. God is love. And every other thing flows from the dimension. You see why we are failing in ministry? Because love is the portal. Love is the, is the, is the, is the, is the mouthpiece of ministry. We want to run with ministry, but we've left love behind. So we can talk about the prophetic, we can talk about reformation, we can talk about, you know, taking the wall, we can talk about, you know, uh, uh, discipling the nations. We How do you go into the nations if you don't have his love? I, I hope I, I'm, I'm, I'm making sense to you. Because I really want you to understand this. You see, love motivates this woman. Those who God will be bringing to do ministry. Those who are going to be rep replacing those who have abused and misused, amen, his grace and his gift in the church, all right, uh, will be those who have been baptized into love. Let me repeat what I've just said. Those who will be replacing those, amen, who have been in ministry that we have known as, you see, a season is passing. And as this season passes, they're going to bring forth a new order of men that will replace people at the gates, 
God is re replacing amen, men at the gate. They are replacing the guards. Guards that have become weak and tired. Or that have become selfish and sensual. They are replacing them. But the people that will take their place will be people who have been captured. Passionately captured by love. By his, by his life. By his nature. So let's, not, let's understand that the days we're living, all right, of course, the Bible says darkness is increasing. So it's going to take amen, a more, you know, an increase of the life of God, of the light of God, of the grace of God, of the power of God in our life to be able to engage. And this is why we're dealing with these things. So love will make you to be making decisions. You, some decisions will be to reject certain things. Some decision will be to accept certain position. All right. Some decision will be amen, to to let go of certain people, certain places, certain friends. Yes, because they're not gonna enhance what God wants to use you to carry out for Him. You see, the love of God will make you make decisions. Well, the love of God will reposition you, will realign you. The love of God will reconnect you, will redirect you. You see, the love of God will make you look at people differently. The love of God will make you look at nation differently. The love of God will make you look at ministry differently. The love of God will make you look at creation differently. The love of God will make you hear the cry and the groaning, amen, of creation. You see, it is the love of God. It is the love of God that made these men that we read about and these people that we, we so honor and we so cherish. It is the love of God, amen, that transformed their life. When you talk about transformation, it's a love story. When you talk about reformation, amen, it's the power of the love of God. There's no reformation without men that are born, that are born in love. It is, it is the love of God that makes people to rise up like revolutioners, all right, to bring a change to society. It is the love of God that causes people to stand up and proclaim the truth to the point of death they're hacking them to death but they're saying god forgive them it was it was the love of god that baptized stephen no mortal man can lay down his life without the love of god except such a person has been brainwashed and deceived and that's what the ISIS and the, and the terrorist guys are doing. They brainwash people. And somebody says, no, I'm dying for my religion. No, you're not dying. Somebody brainwashed you. Jesus said, no one take this life from me. I willingly lay it down. You know why he did that? Because you were on his mind. Because you were on his mind. Because you're on his mind, that's why he willingly, willingly laid down, laid down his life. And we need to discover what that love is. You know, we, can't, we cannot replace what we feel, the sensation of that love for the revelation. We need the revelation. And the, and the revelation of, of God's love is not in the earth. It's in the ascended realm. Amen. If you want to, if you want to encounter God, you in God's love, you have to come, amen, to the mountain, to the hill of the Lord. Who can come to the hill of the Lord? There are certain things that are not given to us in the valley. You have to take your journey. <laughs> when, when they wanted to give, amen, you know, Moses the pattern of the movement of these people, they say, come to the hill. You must come to them. You must come to the mountain of the Lord. Certain revelation of God, amen. You cannot pick them in the valley. You've got to ascend. Your mind will have to ascend. Your life will have to ascend. You have to come to that amen, position of divine enrapturement. You have to come to the place where you are translated and transfigured. Yes, before him. It's in that place that they saw him. 
Hallelujah. In his true light. He took Peter, James, and John. He showed them his true image on the hill. Let's continue to look at this. Mary Magdalene is showing us something that is very important. When you love somebody, you don't take advantage of them. Never. You see, when you love people, you will never take advantage of them. When you love God, you will not take advantage of him. Mary Magdalene, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about God here. We're talking about Jesus here. But you see the way this woman is expressing love. I mean, one will expect, who shows that kind of a love to a God? I mean, this is God, this is God. I mean, he can save himself. He, he, he has all the power to do whatever he wants to do. If he says he's going to resurrect, he's going to resurrect. Why bothering? No, no, no. Mary is showing us that when we are truly, amen, when we are truly saved, when we have, when we have encountered God, we cannot but, we cannot but to respond in love. That is what redemption is. No one gets to be redeemed, amen, from the fallen kind of human nature, from the old Adamic nature, without a reciprocation, amen, of the genuine love of God. No one. No one. The test, the test of true redemption, amen, is love, of course, peace. <laughs> you can't have peace without the love of God, you know, because the first thing that we tell people, oh, once you give your life to Jesus, the first thing you feel is the peace of God. No, the first thing you feel is the love. <laughs> is love. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Prophesy, Lord. The love, love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Oh, let me repeat it again. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Every other thing, including peace, comes after. Joy comes after. Goodness comes after. Meekness comes after. Amen. Temperance, self-control comes after. See, when we understand, the, when we infuse the love of God into the soul of this nation, all of these killings and abuse of women and children that we're seeing in this land will cease. The church needs to be awakened to love. It's not this thing that we're doing in church, singing and making noise. No, it's a revelation. When the life and the power of God fall on us and we walk in the spirit of, of love, listen to this. We will go into the street and we will just re we will just begin to pray and things will start happening. People start falling in love with each other. That man will leave that you know God knows who he's, he he's living with and return back home to his children. That child will leave that brothel and that place of of drug den and return back home. He said, before that, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord appears, he said, I, God, amen, will, will send the spirit of Elijah. One of the spirit of Elijah, amen, is born in the spirit of love. The fathers, amen, had to be turned to the sons. The, the sons had to be turned to the fathers. How we quickly forget when we talk about the spirit of Elijah. Who talks about love? But the heart of the spirit of Elijah is love. It was love that caused Elijah to confront Jezebel. Huh? There was zeal upon his life. Come on. Elijah was zealous, amen, for, 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 for his people, amen, for the God of his people, amen, and for the people of his God. No, he said, I refuse. 
I refuse. I refuse this evil to continue. The high places must come down. It is love, amen, that motivates a true prophet to do what he, him, he, 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 he is doing or ourselves he's doing. It's, it's the love of God. It is the love of God. When we don't have the love of God, you see, everything becomes mechanical. You see, you see, you see what's motivating you to say the things you're saying? It is the love of God. When the love of God is in you, revelation will flow like a stream. <clears throat> revelation will flow like a river. It's a mystery. It's the mystery. The Lord will be directing your heart. Yes, he'll be guiding you. All right? He'll be guiding your spirit, be guiding you. So this is this, this is what I want you to say. You will say it. Powerful. It is the love of God that motivates Elijah. The, the love of God is the is the center core of the Elijah's anointing. God is going to restore Elijah is restoring Elijah. Elijah is love. What do you think? What do you think, amen? Baptize, you know, John the Baptist. When we have the love of God, we will, we will stand for righteousness. You see, the love of God will make you see him alone. You will not be seeking for the praise of men. Because you are so consumed by the love of God that you want to do you want to do what is right. You want to do what is just. You want to do what is, you see, come on. Early in the morning, early in the morning, first day of the week, she, she took a stand. She went to the tomb. She saw that the, the stone has been rolled away. So she came running to Simon Peter. And the other disciple, which I believe, amen, is John. <laughs> These are the two guys that I know that can, you know, be, 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 be waiting. <laughs> and the other disciple, amen, the one Jesus loved and said, amen, they have, they have, taken, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And, I, and, I, and we do not know where they have put him. Verse, verse, verse 3 says, so Peter and the other disciples started, you know, started to, you know, to go to the tomb. The Bible says in verse 4, both were running. Both of them were running. So we begin to see this woman came and put some fire, all right, <laughs> you know, into their love life. I just love Mary Magdalene. I mean, these were guys waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting. Okay, he said he's going to resurrect. Okay, let's just be waiting. We prayed, you know. No, this woman wasn't just praying. A prayer has turned to tools. A prayer has become a shoe leather. A prayer, amen, has become walkable. A prayer has become, amen, a, 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 a movable. It's become a movement. She ran to the, to, you know, to them and said, "Hey guys, it is not the time to pray. Get up. <laughs> Something has happened." The Bible says, you know, the message that you know Mary Magdalene brought to them caused them to run. The, the Bible says they ran to the tomb. And the one whom the Lord loves outran Peter. I'm showing you your principles of love here. One woman came, amen, and triggered the love of two other guys who love the Lord. Our love is in degrees. Our love for God are in degrees. Where some people stop in loving God is where, amen, some people start. That's the starting point. Where you feel, yes, is the benchmark. You know, I, when I read about certain people and, and I see how they give their life, <clears throat> they give their life, give their time, give their resource to the things of God, 
It's amazing. And yet, some of us, when, when we want to serve God and we've done certain things, people are looking at us like, excuse me? <laughs> you know, sometimes people think, don't you have time for your family? Don't you have time for this? Don't you have time for that? I don't have time for anything than God. It's in God that I'm able to have time for every other thing. When you look at the sacrifice people have given, Think of the sacrifice that people, hallelujah, have bore just for you to have the word of God. Just for you to be able to read the scripture. Think about it. Listen to this. If you want to have a perfect, perfect life, not in the kingdom. There's only one life that you can have in the kingdom. It's called the life of God. And in that, perfect, and in that life of God, that's where you find perfection. There are things that the Bible says it will cost you to reap where you have not sown because you've sown in other places. To be the perfect man, to be the perfect wife, to be the perfect husband, to be the perfect child, you have to understand, hallelujah, the values of the kingdom because that's what motivates us. But if you want to live, you know, the kind of life that the world system wants to paint to you, you will live your life in guilt. Because the, the world will tell you, oh, you never have time for your husband, you never have time for your wife, you never have time for your child, you never have time for this. Listen to this. If you want to live life in a, in a way where you think you can distribute yourself equally and evenly, it's, it's never going to happen. It, that's a lie. <laughs> There's nothing like that. Jesus had time for everything in the context of his pursuance of his purpose for God. You know? When, when I heard this morning about this, you know, lady who, who just, you know, lost the mom again. Last month, the, 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 the father died. This month, the, the mother's followed. You ask yourself, how do you handle such a thing? And what does that say to you? What does that say to you? You lost your, you lost your father last month and this month you've lost. You. What does that say to you as an individual? You know, studying, looking at this person who's lost a loved one. But what does that say to you? You, you as an individual. That you don't have all the time to waste around, to play around. You know, every time I look at people passing away to the other side, it tells me I don't have all the time. You don't have all the time. So streamline your priority. <clears throat> streamline your priority. What are your priorities? What are the orders of your priority? I hear people say, oh, wow, you, you, you know, in the things of God, God must come first. Your family comes next. <laughs> you know, and I look at her and say, you guys, you, you so far from truth. Because truly, you see, truly, the reason why a lot of people who find themselves, particularly men of God, you know, people in ministry, you, you see, they're doing ministry and they lose their children. Or they, they lose their home. Say, you cannot be serving God and you lose your children and lose your home. Some, something is wrong in your, in, your, in, your, in your configuration of heart of serving God. Because I cannot be serving God and then my children all right, uh, becomes, you know, the, uh, sa sa Satan's instrument. It, it can never happen. Because you carry them along. And it's not like you're just carrying them along. Amen. Because in your, in your pursuance of God, guess what? God, God himself will make sure that your children tag along with him. 
So that idea, oh, the man of God is having God and he lost his children. No, no, to the devil. Listen to this. <laughs> it means that you do not understand what it means to serve God. Because serving God starts with how you model God in your home, in your environment. Yes. You've got to model God. You've got to model God to your children. It's not saying one thing, amen, doing something else. It's living the life, the standard of a life. It's showing them, God, they're your own life. It's not what you preach to them. It's your life preaching the message to them. My children, once I speak to them one about something, they catch it. They get it. And I tell them, don't do, don't do what is right because daddy tells you. Do what is right because that daddy up there, our daddy up there, wants you to do it. So they know the difference. They know the difference between uh, obeying daddy and obeying our daddy. They know the difference. And we keep, we keep talking about it. We keep, we keep, they have to find God for themselves. But I have to help them to find God for themselves. In the only thing where I have to help them discover, yes, that when you read, you don't read for me. When I teach my children, you need to study, you need to read. Say, don't read for me. This is the reason why you need to read. So that tomorrow you can become a better person. You can, you can have an edge. You, 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 can, you can be whatever you want to be. You can go wherever you want to go. This is the purpose of reading. This is the purpose of learning. So my children understand why they need to read. So I, I don't have to be, you know, there with a sledgehammer. Yeah, did you read? No, no. They know. They, you, you have to infuse that. Those, that. those are the things you have to build. It's like you're telling a Christian, this is the reason why you need to grow and develop and be a disciple of Jesus. Christ. You see, if we don't tell people the, the value, the importance of why they need to do what they need to do, guess what? They would do it because you said so, because they honor you, they respect you, but when you're not there, they throw it away. That's a mistake a lot of parents make. And that's a mistake a lot of pastors make. So, people are eye service. They will, they will show you the face. <laughs> they, they, they want you to, you know, they want you to see, you know? But, but the moment you turn your back, there's something else. That's where many pastors, men of God, amen, they lose their children to the devil. Yes. Because you, you've got to make them understand. You've got to, first of all, preach to them. You see, I preach to my children. As I'm preaching to you, I preach to them. You've got to make them understand. This is what I'm doing. My children know. If you ask my children, what, what, who's your pastor? What's your, what's your father's work? They will tell you, my father is a prophet. If you ask them, what's the work of a prophet? They will tell you. So it's an honorable thing. And they have to understand that honor. So it's not something you just, you know, make noise about. And, they, uh, no, no. and then they shake their head and say, I understand you. Meanwhile, behind it, they're like, this man is not, he doesn't have time for us. They understand that if I'm not there, it's because I'm doing something. And whenever I'm coming to preach like this, I'm coming to teach. If my children are awake, they will tell me, we're praying for you. It's going to be well. You believe they, they encourage me. Why? Because I have brought them to, to, to the understanding that this is our ministry. This is our work. One day, if, if I'm no more, you guys are going to carry on with this job. This is, this is what God wants us to do. We're resourcing people's life. Our life is to, is to be poured into other people's life. You've got to make them see it. You've got to make them understand it. You're preparing just like, just like amen, a priest all right, that is born in, you know, in royalty amen, is groomed one day to become the king. Or a princess, amen. He, uh, you know, they groom them. They groom them from, from age zero. They start grooming them to become 
I'm not grooming my children to take over ministry. I'm grooming them to become what God wants them to be. Amen. As they live with, for him and, and through him. You see? Not one of those who say, oh, you've got to groom your children to take over your ministry. Ministry is never yours. Ministry is never yours. But you let them understand this is the path. If they see it, amen, if they have a call that, okay, this is, where, this is the path God has called me to, then you have to, amen, train them and be brutal with them just like you be brutal with any other person. All right? You don't, you don't treat them with, you know, kid golf. No, you train them. You give them the experience. You, you put them through, amen, all of the training and the hard, hardship training that they need to become, amen, carriers of that grace and gift. So let's, let's understand this thing. We, we believe in God that a generation will be awakened. That will be passionate. Listen, passionate, passion you can infuse in people through your own life. There are two people when they see you. There are two kinds of people you have in your life when you are passionate for the things of God. Those that you will motivate, that will love you for what you're doing. All right, that will be steered, that will catch the fire and also run like Peter, Amen, and and John, and those that will hate you for it. And most of them, those that will hate you for it are members of your family. They are members of your own household. They will hate you for it because they will tell you, no, you, you, you've chosen God than us. Yes. If I have the choice to choose between God amen, and man, I'd rather choose God. All right. Because our desire is to, is to aflame the fire of God so that people around us amen, can also amen, be, be, be caught in that fire. Right? If a man, if a man is doing ministry and 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 the heart is not pursuing the love of God, the ministry will so overwhelm him to the point that you find that man or right, sleeping around. Yes, it's that's the other side. You know, when we talk about you know ministries and ministers, we deal with this point. There are people, there are people doing ministry, but they are the most lonely people. You know, ministry can be very lonely if you don't understand amen, the passion of God. If, if, if the love of God is not the heart of your persons, if your heart, if your heart is not God is my reward, I'm telling you, ministry can be the loneliest place. That's why you discover, you ask yourself, why would men of God amen, be depressed? Why would people of God be why will people? Why would men of God be committing suicide? Men of God. Huh? How can? How? <laughs> That's not for everybody. We'll talk about that when, when I call for, you know, you know, those who are in ministry. Ministry. They say, but we're all, in, <clears throat> we're all in ministry. I understand that, but I'm not talking to you. There are certain things that we don't just say, you know, because we need to say them. No, 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 no. That's, that's for certain people. Calling to the fivefold ministry. Things they must know. Things they must understand. Yes. So we, we need to develop on an understanding of the revelation of the love of God. It must be the heart. Mary Magdalene <clears throat> I set the standard. Amen. <laughs> Two apostles <laughs> who, who were supposed to be those who know better. A woman came and, and stared their heart in fire. The Bible says they ran to the tomb. <laughs> one, one outran Peter. <clears throat> but when Peter Finally got there. He was the one that entered. See, that's another pattern of understanding and, and leadership. You can have zeal. We've got to follow. Your zeal must follow the protocol of leadership. You've got to see. It's, it's there. Let me read on. 
So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other outran Peter and reached to the tomb first. There's a reason why the Bible put it there. God never put things in the scripture just for fun. Because, well, we don't have enough words. Let's just add first there. No, there's a reason for that. Listen to verse 5. He bent over and looked in at the strip of the linen line outside Lying, you know, there, you know, where, you know, uh, Jesus was buried. Then Bible says, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. You see, one entered and stopped. For whatever reason, he just bent over to look. But he did not go in. <clears throat> because he understood that Peter must be given the accord. In the, in the order of protocol, Peter must be the one that goes in first. That doesn't mean that he is the one who has all the revelation, but he's been chosen. He's been groomed. Because I know that happened in churches. You say, a sister, she's got zeal, zeal, zeal for the Lord. Ah! A sister can see all kinds of things, can hear from God, can prophesy, and all of that. And that, that is good. But then she thinks a zeal can outdo, can outrun, can outplay the leadership. So she wants to use that zeal. She wants to use that giftings all right, to tell the man of God, to tell the leadership how things should be done. No, you cross the line. You cross the line. Your zeal must be submitted to the authority of the house. If you're in your house, you can do whatever you want to do. But once you come under amen, the authority and the, and, the, and the community of the people of God, no, you've got to submit your zeal to the directive, to the leadership amen, of the house. God help you if you're under amen, a leadership that does not understand or that, you know, that, that, that is abusive. <laughs> Even that zeal is going to die. But if you are in a place where all right, on, there's, 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 there's love and there's truth and there's understanding, yes, the, the leadership will help you, amen, to regulate your zeal. Not to kill the zeal, but to tell, yes, we appreciate the gift and we appreciate the zeal. Thank you for the word that you've given. We will, we will, we will think about it and we will apply it as the Lord will direct us. And if they don't use the gift that you have you know, given or the word that you have given, you are, it's not your place to get angry. <laughs> it's not your place to say these people they don't appreciate me no sometimes they need to prove the gift the bible says test all spirit the fact that you said thus said the lord does not mean truly <laughs> the word is from the lord and even if it's from the lord doesn't mean that we should apply it immediately that's where leadership is put in place to help us regulate things the things of the spirit are not carnal natural human things that we just jump into you got to allow things to, to play out as the Lord puts structures and leadership in place. That's why who we submit to is crucial to how we grow in the things of the Spirit. I needed to say this because I know there are people who are pastoring churches, who are leaders in their own right, right? Who are struggling with this kind of, and they don't know how to handle because the person comes and says, Thus hear the Lord. Thus hear the Lord. Oh, man of God, I, I slept and I had this vision. And the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. Yes, you've got to trust the man of God, whoever is there, amen, to know how to apply and use that which you have seen and which has been given to you. All right? Don't, don't, don't let the zeal go before the knowledge, go before leadership. Continue to use your zeal. But allow, amen, other things, other, you know, dimensions of the spirit to apply that uh, grace or gift in accordance to divine order. 
The Bible says in verse 6, Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Listen to this. He, 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 saw, he saw the strips of the linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, listen to this, finally, finally, the other disciple who had, who had reached there first also went inside. Finally. Are you seeing the order? Why we're talking about love? Because people can be very emotional and can be very sentimental when we're talking about the love of God. People think that when we, when we talk about the love of God, there are no order there. There is order in the love of God. There are structures in the, in the love of God. There are protocols in the love of God. Yes, we're dealing with the love of God, but guess what? The love of God is to motivate us to do something more effectively for God. The love of God is to direct us, amen, to live life. When there is love in our our home there should be order somebody say but but you claim you love me or the, the fact that i love you does not mean that we everything should be done in a chaotic state and the fact that i love you does not mean that i must always buy the thing <laughs> no no that's not the love the love the love does not mean you always respond Sometimes love is rejection. Oh, come on. I say sometimes love is rejection. No, 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 no. You're not, you cannot, you cannot have, because in this dimension of love, there is government. The government of God, the rulership of God is there. It's the rulership of God that is motivating us. Because today when we talk about love, what we see is, well, I can always have it. After all, you love me. I, you can always buy it for me. I can always do whatever. No, 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 no. The love of God says, daughter, you're going out by 8 o'clock, I want to see you back home. Is that fine? That's fine. She breaks the rule. Sorry, next time, you, I'm not going to allow you. Because <laughs> I showed you love the first time. I told you, 8, be back home. You, you refuse. You did your own thing. You came 10 o'clock. There's order. In the world that we live in, all right, there are two things that is taking place. Things that seek to dominate us <clears throat> and things that we are called to dominate and dominating things does not mean ruling, you know, lording it over people, but bringing order and structure there. That's what Adam lost in the garden. He lost his position, amen, as one that was supposed to regulate the things of God. He allowed sentiment, all right, to lead him to the place of compromise. No, Adam should have said, sorry, Eve, I love you so much that I will not allow you to do this. I love you to the degree that I will not allow you to commit this sin, to commit this issue. No, no, we're not going to allow that. You see, but you see, in our modern day definition, we say that is not love. That's why we need to reclaim what God says in his word. We need to redefine, amen, how God defines love. Love is not abusive, but love is very firm. Love is not controlling, but, but, but love is very determined. Love is not manipulative, but love, yes, sometimes will allow you to, you know, to have your way. But sometimes love will say, sorry, no. It's just no. Because love has seen ahead, you see. In the love of God, the prophetic nature of God, amen, is at work. Remember I said, love, amen, is, is the portal of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is also the portal, amen, of the gifts of the Spirit. You cannot operate in the gifts without the love of God. Because the love that we're talking about is not sentiment, the love is a nature of a person. The love is the life of a person. The fact that love rejects you, amen, does not mean that you are rejected. 
is because <laughs> love I've seen what's going to happen tomorrow and love said no if I allow you to do this thing something worse is going to happen to you tomorrow so I rather I rather have you cry now I rather have you you know do your tantrum whatever you want to do you do it now <laughs> at least to prevent something dangerous more dangerous to happen tomorrow that's love do men have enough love in them to take to take their stand and do women have enough love today to say you know I accept what you say, honey. Because in love, there is trust. Love is not judgmental. Lo love is not, you know, is not trying to prove a point. Because that's what we do in marriage. We try to prove, you know, who is in charge. No, the man says, I'm in charge. The woman says, you're not in charge. You know, so it, it's, 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 it's a war of who is in control. No, when there is love, there is order, there is protocol, there is leadership. You can't talk about leadership where there's no government. We can't talk about dominion if there's nothing to dominate outside, amen? Are <laughs> you getting the point? God gave Adam dominion. Dominion. If there is nothing to dominate outside his world, that might want to influence amen, his world, and they won't give him the authority to dominate. Domination means take control. Put things in their right perspective and their right order. It's a difficult thing. Because we live in a world today that is far from the values of God. Far from, amen, the principle, biblical principle. Many of us today are living the extension, amen, of the humanistic belief system. We live in the extension of what society has taught us about love. So, but you say you love me. <laughs> so why are you not giving it to me? Somebody say, well, if you truly love me, you allow me to sleep with you. So does, that, does love, you know, equate sex? Do you, do you reduce love to sex? You see, that's the problem we have in the society. And this is why we're having all this mess all around. Because the, 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 the way, man, the woman defines love is, okay, this man loves me, so I can, and I love the man, so I can give him, I can give him my body. No. You can say, sorry, I'm not going to give you my body. I love you, but I'm not, no, 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 that, it's not, it's not that, we're not there yet. There are things that must happen. Before I give you my body. My body is sacred. There are various ways you can express love to people. And show love to people. Than compromising your values. Any love that makes you want to compromise your value. Particularly if that value is established amen, on the principle of truth. It's not love. It's infatuation. It's lust. Which of course will lead you to regrets. We've got to teach ourselves, got to remind ourselves, we've got to teach our children. All right? In a world where the, the definition of love has been, has been destroyed, not almost destroyed. We have to teach our children, our home, family, loved ones, ourselves, what love is. So if you're tracking with me and you ask me for something or you're demanding something for me to do and I say no, you better believe it's love that is speaking to me. Is love. Because if we have to respond, just because I don't want you to get angry with me, so I have to respond because, but I know that thing is going to lead to something that you are going to regret tomorrow. Then I'm a bad leader. Today, men are afraid to lead because of how they believe or the world will view them. 
and today, all right, women also are afraid to lead because of how they believe, amen, the men will see them. The world is in a mess. Our understanding values have been corrupt. How does our children, amen, see love? When we say, you know, we love them, how do they see that? How do, how do they define our love for them? How does our spouse define love for them? You see, this is why I was saying some time ago that even in marriage, you have to define the vision that drives your relationship, your marriage. If you don't have it, listen, you're going to be, you're going to be hitting your head. You, both of you are going to be having a rough time, a tough time. Why? Because what defines love is connected to values. If both of you don't have the same values, your definition of love will never be the same. They say, both of you love God, but your definition of love, amen, is towards diff two different order. So if you want to marry, marry value. Don't marry the beauty, marry value. Because when you marry value, that value will always bring forth your heart desire. You see, let's say where your treasure is, yeah, uh, value. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is. You see, where, where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. The Lord led me to, amen, where his treasure is. So my treasure, amen, is for the, for the nation. So you marry somebody who's got a passion, who has a desire for the nation. If you marry someone who, who contradicts your values, God help you. And that happens sometimes, particularly with prophets. You marry somebody that is totally opposite the values of your life. And they ask you, manage it. So I see, I need to balance what I'm talking about. They say, manage it. You're going south. She wants to go west. <laughs> they say, manage it. What do you do? Because some people say, but, but I prayed. But, but I prayed. And, and yes, you prayed. Yes, the Lord answered you. It's because you're different. You're special. And most of time this happens, amen, to those who are calling to the prophetic ministry. And they ask a prophet to go marry a prostitute. How do you marry a <laughs> how do you marry a prostitute? How do you marry somebody who, who doesn't love God? Because that itself is a message to a generation, to a people that you're sent to. That's not the time to divorce and go marry somebody else. No, that is the time to know how to show love and kindness and continue to, you know, reveal the heart of God, amen, to that person. And as you're doing that, God is using, amen, your, your, your impartation into that single life to transform a nation. Can you understand that? Are you getting it? Are you getting it? So the things of God is not like ABC. It's not like one, you know, two plus two makes four. It doesn't work like that. But there are general value system that is accepted for everyone. Amen. And, and, and the fact that somebody, somebody contradicts the, the principles and the values of God in your life does not give you, amen, the license to do what you want to do. You can't do it. Because then you jeopardize the essence, the purpose of what God, amen, wants to carry out or is carrying out through that relationship, all right? Sometimes it happens like that even in ministry. They send you to a people who don't love God, but they send you there. It's because God wants to use you, amen? You see, that's the principle of God, amen? It's the principle of divine representation. God wants to save a generation. He raised, amen, Noah. You understand this principle, friends? 
we, we, I, I know some of the things that we're talking about they, they sound a bit deep, yes, but this is it. If we must understand the love of God, then we need to go back to the core and begin to address things the way they are. Love is not selfish. It's not self-centered. It's not self-seeking. You don't use the scripture as a stone to stone people. Say, but this, but this is what the Bible says. Some people will say, but did, 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 you hear, did you hear Isaiah? Did you hear what he said? You do that, you, you are default, you are in trouble because amen, you'll be creating a different atmosphere. You know, Don't bring Isaiah to your home. Do not bring Isaiah to your home. Listen to what God says and align to the principles of God's word. And let the principle of the word of God guide you in the uniqueness of your own dealings. Don't point to a man and say, didn't you hear what Isaiah said? Because I know some of you will say things like that. Did you hear what? No, no, no. If you do that, you are bringing trouble to your home. You've got to give your yourself the time to study together and learn the principles and the values that establishes what God wants to do, what God is doing in your own home, in your own ministry. Because we're, we, we, we're quick to do that. Did you hear what that man of God said? So that, that becomes a stone. That becomes your, your punching, your punching, you know, a pad. That becomes your, your launching pad uh, to throw an attack. You see, sometimes a word uh, can confirm or affirm or even support what your, your position of stand. That doesn't mean that the word, amen, stands against the other person. You've got to find the commonality of ground. And I said that commonality of ground is what? Value. What do you value? If both of you do not value the same thing, listen, if I don't value what God values, you see, the Bible says marriage is a reflection of the church, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jesus was speaking, you know, about marriage. He said, but I, I show you, this is a mystery about the church, Christ and the church, Ephesians 5, Christ and the church. Christ and the church is a reflection of true relationship, particularly marriage, because that was the first institution. You see, when marriage collapsed, the church collapsed. <laughs> you fix the home, you fix the church, you fix the nation. Simple. But you can't, you see, you cannot fix, <clears throat> fix the church if you don't fix the home. And if you think, well, you've got to fix the church first before you fix the home, you lie because that's not the pattern. The church came, excuse me, the, the home came before the church. Gifts, amen, are born out of homes, out of families. You want the next apostle that will, that will rise like Apostle Paul. You want the, the, the next apostle that will take their place like Peter. You want the next apostle, apostle that will rise up and take their place, amen, like, like you know, Phoebe in the scriptures. You know, that's a woman. She's an apostle. You want apostles that will start changing the home. Start infusing life, values to those children. Because what you infuse in them as a as parent is what they will take into the church. Even when they give their life to Jesus, I hope you understand that those struggles don't go easily. The struggles that were built in our children, amen, in the home, <laughs> hardly die even when they give their life to Jesus. Sometimes it takes years for God to wrestle them and wrestle them just like he's wrestling us. So why don't you make the, the journey easy? Why don't you start imparting the right values in the life of those children? When she's still three years old, four years old, amen, two years old, start imparting the values of the kingdom in her. 
So when she finally gives her life to Jesus, I was listening to the testimony of Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Edward, this lady who sings, oh my Lord, what a, <laughs> what a, what, what a gift to this generation. But you see, the things that have been built in her, the values that have been built in her, the, 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 the wisdom that has been built in her, I mean, this kind of a woman, her life is totally sold out to, to God and to the ministry. Just singing and creating atmosphere. The role parents play in the life of their children is key to the advancement of the purposes of God. All of this issue dealing with the love of God is because we were all damaged goods. We came out from homes that were damaged, from society that have been damaged, where the love of God has been perverted. In the church, there's abuse. In, you know, many people were sent to church, but the church abused them. This is the reason why I'm talking about this thing because I know there are people out there. Or maybe I'm not dealing with the, those who are doing fine in the church. Then this message is not for you. But if you are outside the church and you you tired of the you know hocus pocus and the mysterious nonsense that is, well, this is for you. And if God is awakening your heart, all right, to begin to minister to those outside the church, want to bring them back to the fold. Remember, the fold is not, it's not the building. The fold is the community of the saints where we will have fellowship. It says, it says there's a scripture I, I'm going to look into. I love the scripture uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter, chapter 13, verse 14. We all read this scripture. In fact, if let me surprise you. Look at the scripture. Look at the scripture. It said, may the God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Think about that. You know how we have found this to just a chorus and some, you know, thing we just recite without even thinking. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's a, that's a message on his own. <laughs> May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ hmm, and the love of God, the suit fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the three courts, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest on you. I mean, I can preach on this for another two, <laughs> two, two, two weeks. But these are things that must be imbibed. Can you see that the love of God is not alone? The love of God comes with grace. And that grace, amen, is, is, is a reflection of the fellowship we have in the Holy Spirit. Say, Paul say, I pray that this rests on you. May this be part of what is, you know, galvanizing the community, keeping the community alive. The love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Our fellowship is with the Father, then with one another. When these things are broken, all right? To your tent, oh Israel, everybody, everything scatter. This is the reason why people cannot stay. This is the reason why people are looking for all kinds of things out there. Why? Because we have broken the cord. This must happen in our own lives, in our own homes. To all the saints, Paul said, I send these greetings. To all the saints, I'm sending these greetings. So I'm sending these greetings to you. But it's beyond the greeting. It's a revelation of what defines our life as the people of God, as a community of the saints, as a corporate man-child in the earth. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love, the love, the love of God. The love of God is what we need in our community. 
The love of God is what you need in the home. When you, when you, when you begin to express the love of God, and all of the dimensions of God start flowing from that love. I mean, think of the sweetness of the fellowship you're going to have. We want to have fellowship. We don't have grace. And we don't have the love. But we want fellowship. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You, you, you just be walking through a mechanical thing. You're trying to wind it up. Wind it. It's not going to work. The grace. The love. The fellowship. Hallelujah. Let me start rounding up this morning. I know this is a, this is a good message. This will help us to think, to go back. You see, if God can find one, two, three, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, that can begin to catch this thing. What is going to change the world? Listen to these friends. It's not going to take so much to, you know, so much revelation to change the world. The love of God can change the world. When the love of God infuses a man, one man can stand in the right position and God can use that one man to change an entire city. God has never saved by multitude. It's always about the quality of individuals who makes up a team. If you have the right individuals the right, graced, gifted, well-informed, knowledgeable individuals who are ready to become team players. You can change anything. You can transform anything. You can prosper in your endeavors, in your work. But if you have a team, all right, that individuals are not, are not good, they've got to train those individuals. And when you train them, they must learn to work as team. See, that's what we've been talking about. If we all can see the same thing, if we all can hear the same thing, if we all can understand that, hey, this is God. This is God speaking. Not choosing what you want to do, try to prove a point. No, this is God speaking. All right? I need to take this thing to heart. How can I begin to correct things in my own life so I can correct it in the community? It's easy to change the world. After all, Jesus was just one man. See what he did. In a short span of time. God is no respecter of man. But if we would trust and obey. There's a need for the Mary Magdalene spirit to be awakened in us. To steer these sleeping leaders. <laughs> Peter. And the disciple whom the Lord loves got up. They ran. Let's leave it there today. She triggered something in their heart. She motivated them. Sometimes the Lord can use the least people you expect to awaken your love again for God. Let's be passionate for the things of the Spirit. Let's look for love as the Spirit of God directs us. When we're dealing with things, let's ask ourselves, how can the love of God be applied in this situation? How can I show the love of God? You'll be amazed what the love of God can do. You'll be amazed the power that is infused, the knowledge, the wisdom 
<laughs> You'll be amazed of the creativity in the love. You'll be amazed, amen, of the prophetic life and spirit infused in the love of God. You'll be amazed, amen, of the things you can do, of how productive you can become in the love of God. We just need a different perspective. You see, it's not about God loving you now. God's love for you will never change. It's about you loving him. Because when you are able to love God effectively, you will love man. You will love the nations. You will love even the most unloved people. Lord, we honor. Thank you this day. Thank you. I want to bless your holy name. Thank you, Father, for the ascended revelation of the ministry of love in our life. We talk about loving you. We talk about your love for us. We talk about love all the time. Hardly we go through a day without talking about love, without watching something that speaks about love, without hearing something about love or hate. But yet... We have really forgotten how love is. How love should be defined and how we should feel this love from our spirit, from our renewed spirit. So we, I pray this morning, Father Lord, that as you teach us again your ways, your truth, that we will lay aside how we have been running things and we will come to you to teach us how to love us, how we can love you and how we can love a world that is filled with darkness, a world that is so confused, a world that is so heady on how they want to do their own thing, a way that seems right to them, but we see that the end is destruction. Help us, Father. That while trying to reach them that we ourselves do not get too anxious and 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 corrupt the things that you want to do love is patient <laughs> hallelujah love is kind but we cannot express patience or kindness if we don't have love you say if we don't have love we are like a tingling brass Help us. Deliver us from assumption. And deliver us also from presumption. When we love, our act will prove it. Act born by the Spirit. We thank you, Father. Honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Once again, it's an honor to bring this fresh manner from the throne of God to, to you, to, to your space, wherever you are. I'm sure you've learned something this morning that will allow you to go out there and practice these things that you have heard. Let's not pick this word to point fingers to others. Let's say, God, I've spoken to me, me, 
Because when you change, your life will influence others to change. And that's how it is in the things of God. When I change, my life somehow will impact other people's life. Where I am today, it's not solely based on the things I've learned from God. It's also based on the things I've seen in the life of other people. How I've been <clears throat> motivated and encouraged by other people. Your life speaks louder than what you say. God bless you, friends. Have yourself a wonderful day. Bye-bye.